Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Good morning and welcome. Dr. John DeVree, in his book, Why Pray, tells the story of his grandson, Andrew, who's six years old, who spent a week on the farm of his other set of grandparents, Nana and Papa. And, uh, you know, they let him hang out with them in the barn, and they took him on the tractor to go rides and had a great time together with little Andrew. And at the end of the week, they were doting over Andrew, just telling him what a big help he was and how, you know, they weren't sure they're going to be able to get along without him. And, man, I hope he would come back as soon as he could. And Andrew took him quite seriously, and he returned to his home and to Sunday school. He started requesting prayers for Nana and Papa because they were in so much trouble and they really can't handle that farm and, you know, he's got to get back there as soon as he can to help them out. And, of course, we chuckle at that and John DeVried, he drew a parallel between Andrew's perspective of his grandparents and how maybe we perceive God. Does God really need us and is he wringing his hands and doesn't know what he's going to do if we don't help him out. Well, actually, our God is an almighty, loving Father who doesn't need us per se, but He enjoys our presence and our cooperating and participating in what He's doing. John DeVries says, just like a grandfather enjoys his grandson sitting on his lap with his hand on the steering wheel and making some adjustments, God likes us to climb up into His lap. And join him in what he's doing. And it's a great uh, metaphor or illustration about a prayer and what God is doing in our lives. This week, you, you may know we're concluding the Move series. For the past five weeks, we've been studying the book of James. Pastor Randy's been bringing messages from that book. And today, we're, we're going to wrap it up uh, with prayer as the focus because the Last chapter of James, chapter 5, hones in specifically on prayer. And if you'd like to follow along with today's message, there's an outline in your bulletin. It looks something like this. And you can, well, it has blanks there. We'll give you those words as we go. Or if you want to use your electronic device, on the bottom right, it talks about the YouVersion Bible app. You can sign on and follow the message right there also. I want to kick off with uh, the key passage from James chapter 5. This is verses 13 through 16, and here's what it says. Is any among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he is to call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed or uh, committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man or woman accomplishes much. It is said that the biggest lessons humans learn from history is humans don't learn from history. We repeat it. It could also be said one of the greatest weaknesses of prayer is omitting our weaknesses in prayer. 
pride and self-sufficiency can stifle the real, realization of how utterly dependent we are upon God. We sing that song, the breath of our lungs, every breath we take, every beat of our heart is a gift from God, but we take it for granted. Yesterday, I was participating in a funeral service of a 50-year-old woman who, out of the blue, had a seizure, hit her head, and passed away. Folks, everything's a gift from God. You want to make the most of it. Our first point is this awareness, or the, our introduction point. It is the awareness of our weaknesses that cause us to pray. It is the acknowledgement of our weaknesses that brings answers to our prayer. A truth we already learned in James chapter 4, 6 says, God is opposed to the proud, but what? Gives grace to the humble. The good news is if we approach God with humility, he welcomes us with open arms. The first part of James 5.13 says, Is any among you suffering? Then he must pray. And this is affirmed over and over again in Scripture. When I experience suffering of any kind, I am to pray. Whatever the issues are, God calls us into his presence. And for further affirmation, Psalm 62, verse 8. It says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. God calls us to trust him, to pour everything out before him. The good, the bad, the ugly, the whatever. If, this, if I was to pour out this water, if I truly poured it out, how much would I leave in this cup? And the second question, how upset would worship arts get at me for doing it? Pour it out. If we truly pour out our heart before God, there's nothing left. He's a refuge for us. He's a safe place. We can bear our soul without fear. He already knows it anyways. Coming into his presence is a delightful privilege. King David proclaimed in Psalm 16, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And in your right hand are pleasures forever. Why would we not pray? God offers us life, joy, and pleasures forever. It's a good thing to pray. The second part of that verse says, if anyone is cheerful, he is to sing praises. And the interesting thing here, in the original language was Greek, that, that word, the words sing praises, in the original language means to strike an instrument, such as a harp or a tambourine while you're singing. In today's culture, that would be what? A guitar, drums, or a banjo. Think of that. How many of y'all like bluegrass music? Could that be the music of heaven? Striking banjos and singing to God? Whatever it is, God wants us to sing praises to him. Joyful, joyful praises. Uh, this is just not an occasion. Is whenever I'm glad, right, I'm to sing praises because Thanksgiving isn't just for holidays. According to Scripture, Thanksgiving is to be a lifestyle for us. A couple verses out of Psalm 100 affirm this. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. His courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. 
How many times you think in Scripture there's similar injunctions as we find in Psalm 100? Roughly 400 times. Praise and thanksgiving is we're told to give unto God is throughout the whole Bible. It's not an isolated activity. We're to give thanks and praise to God on an ongoing basis. I have a very gentle mother. My, my mother's a sweet, godly woman. She's turning 89 this year. Very kind, gentle woman. Um, we were kids, seven of us growing up together. And, she, you know, she was pretty lenient. I could get away with a lot. I come home from school. I'd throw my coat on the couch or the floor, turn the TV on. My mom would come by. Tommy, pick up your coat. Would you hang it up in the closet? Ah, oh, ma. It would sit there. Tommy. It would sit there. Later, she'd come by and get it and put it away. I look back on that. You know what my mom should have done? <laughs> Got in front of that TV. Said, look at you. <laughs> Turned it off. Said, till that coat's in the closet. You ain't watching no TV. But she would put it away for me, folks. But guess what? Though she was lenient in some ways, when it came to Thanksgiving, there was no negotiating. If we received a gift, if me or one of my siblings received a gift, guess what? She gave us a note card. We sat down at that table, and we didn't move. You know, you may write the same thing you wrote to the last person, but you're going to sit there and write that note before we did anything else. She was tough when it came to Thanksgiving. Julia, my niece, Kelly, had a birthday recently, and guess what we received in the mail about two weeks ago? Dear Uncle Tom and Aunt Julie, how are you? I'm doing well. I'd like to thank you for the braces you gave me for my birthday. I hope that my dad have, has a pleasant time when he comes to visit in March. Have a good week. Love, Kelly. How about that? The tradition continues. That's my, my brother's daughter. And guess who's in town this weekend? My brother from California. He may be here second service. So if you see somebody walking around going, howdy, partner, just play along, you know. I told him to make him feel like he's local and, you know, he'll fit right in. So if you see him, just let him play along. I appreciate it. Thanksgiving, it's just not a nice idea. Uh, there's purpose Thanksgiving. It acknowledges source. It attributes to the value of what is received, and it expresses gratitude, right? A grateful heart. Thanksgiving honors God, and it also protects us from misplaced pride. Look at uh, Romans 121. I think it's going to be up on the screen there. It, it gives warning to us. It says, even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. They refused to give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. You see that? A refusal to honor God and give thanks to him leads to a darkened heart. Thanksgiving is protection for us. It prevents us from focusing on ourselves and straying from our good shepherd. It's just not a good idea. We need to do it. When I would uh, do visitation, I worked in a small town in, in Ohio for a, for a while, farm country, and I, I'd do visitation, go out in the country to some of our elderly folks and the homebound that couldn't make it into church, and one of the gals I used to visit, her name was Opal Hayes, right? And being a child of the 60s and 70s and into rock and roll, you know, I'd be driving out in the country and see the sunset in my rearview mirror and feeling good. And guess what song would pop into my brain? I'm going to visit Opal Hayes. It wasn't, it wasn't Amazing Grace. It was, a, it was a song by Jimi Hendrix. Dun, 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 dun. Everybody remember that? And it's like, here I am, going to go minister in the name of Jesus, and I got 
this is rocking in my heart. He goes, Lord, this, this, this is not going to work well. You I mean, you know, bringing Jimi Hendrix to Opal Hayes right now isn't good. So I would have to stop, literally stop this, this recording in my brain and put, replace it, like change tracks. And I often would use a song called Sacrifice of Praise. We bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Right? And I get my mind, by God's grace, get my mind back on him and go to minister in his name. Just not what made me feel good and gave me warm fuzzies. And the reason it's, yeah, see that? A sacrifice of praise. Because rather than doing what I want, it makes me feel good, right? I intentionally stopped what made me feel good. I said, God, I want to make you feel good. I'm going to sacrifice but, you know, nobody's going to see me. Nobody knows what's going on. But before you, I start singing sacrifice of praise to the house of the Lord. It needs to be intentional. It's not necessarily going to just happen by itself. We're here. We're called to pray when we suffer. We're called to sing praises when we're cheerful. And when we are weak, we are, called, we are to call others to pray for us. Not only physical ill sickness but in all types of frailties. This is in, in verse uh, 4, 14, or 5, 14, it should be. Is any among you sick? He must call for the elders of the church. They are to pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And I really feel this passage is glossed over way too lightly. And if we, again, dig in more into the original language here, this word sick is actually more commonly translated in the epistles, probably three, or, uh, I would say, maybe probably 70, 80% of the time, this word is actually translated weakness rather than sick. And it applies not just to physical weakness, it can apply to physical weakness and physical sickness, but actually it has a wider application. It's also used to indicate spiritual weakness, moral weakness, emotional weakness, somebody who's down, somebody who's discouraged, somebody who's depressed. They too are to call to people around them to pray and anoint them. And the anointing word here for anointing is not the ceremonial anointing we often do to pray somebody. It's actually more of a word that means to rub or even to massage, to minister to that person, to spend time meeting their need and ministering to them. Gather around them, pray for them. And I think James used nonspecific words on purpose to give a wide application. And rather than theologians arguing about which word it is and this and that, I think James says, get out there and do stuff. Minister to one another. You won't, you won't see me, hopefully, arguing much about theology. I had a chance to do that in Bible college and seminary and been there and done that. Folks, God calls us to get out there and do stuff. Hopefully, if nothing else, through this book of James, you realize when he says, don't just be what? Hearers of the word and so deceive yourself. What? Do what it says, folks. Do what God's word says. Don't argue about it. It's one of the stupidest things Christians can do is argue about the Bible. How about put it into practice and make a difference out there rather than stirring up trouble within the body? The prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven. Sickness doesn't always have a spiritual component, but it may. You know, we, our bodies, our spirit, soul, mind, body, we are, we are intertwined. 
and our being, at the core of our being, we're spiritual, and our components affect each other. So we are to confess our sins and minister to one another, you know, pray for one another so you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous person can accomplish much. And we think about that. I really appreciate Pastor Randy's messages these, these last two weeks. I thought they were powerful. I thought last week he was very vulnerable when he talked about not only sins of commission we do, but those sins of omission, the things we don't do that we should do. And he used some personal examples. And I told him afterward, I was really touched how vulnerable he was and how much that meant to me. So he shared a few more things that he struggles with and maybe a few sins. I thought maybe I, this would be an opportunity for me to share those that Randy didn't have a chance to tell you last night. <laughs> No, no, we're not. This passage does not say hang out somebody else's laundry. One more quick illustration from Ohio. We had a gal living next to us that would put out, he was an old farm gal and a widower, and she would hang her laundry out on the clotheslines. Remember people did that? Folks, I didn't know they made stuff in those type of sizes. I, you know, I was amazed. My wife and I, we just had to turn away every time we're walking out of the house. But... Uh, that's a hanging out the laundry. That's not, that's not what this is about. This is about, it says, confess my sins, right? Not hang out somebody else's laundry, right? I'm to, I'm to talk about what I have struggles with, right? I think that is the idea. Not hanging out somebody else's dirty laundry. Uh, confessing sins to one another doesn't mean... I grovel in the dust and say what a worm I am. It's just being honest. Earlier in James chapter 3, 2, he said, we all stumble in many ways. I mean, that's God's word. We all stumble in many ways. Am I humble enough to admit that, that I have some struggles? I can let down the facade and find a safe place to talk about it? The grammar here is in the middle voice, meaning I confess my sins. I admit my struggles, right? I do this for myself. And again, it's not an occasional activity. This is what they would call a present, middle, imperative. Imperative means it's a command. The present tense means it's ongoing. The middle means I need to do this for myself. Nobody else can do it for me. Okay, it's a command, folks. This is to be happening. It's just not a nice idea. And small groups are the perfect place to do this, right? Our group, our move group, we break up. After we watch the video and talk a little bit, my wife keeps the women in the living room. I take the guys to the dining room table, and we have an opportunity to what? To talk a little bit about our struggles, pray for one another. And folks, I, I, I apologize, but I, I get tired of lame prayer requests. Hey, what can we pray for you, Bob? Well, my Aunt Millie has got this ingrown toenail, and she might have to have surgery. Okay, that's, that's a zinger. Folks, let's get real. Let down the guard. We have a rule. What we share there stays there, right? We're not there to find out dirt on one another. We're there to have a safe place. We can be vulnerable, right? And we can pray for one another. No, we're not alone. One of the most powerful things, when we admit our weakness, we find out, wow, this guy's struggling with the same thing. And this guy, he, you know, he's, he's got this. Man, you know, we may look like we got our act together, but if we, if we get honest and let those facades down and get real, we can minister to one another. It takes some faith, and you got to find the right place to do it. Uh, one of the programs we're here at Gateway is Celebrate Recovery. Every Monday night down in the Life Center. And after big group time, guess what? 
We break into small groups. It's confidential. It's anonymous. It's a safe place. We don't try to fix each other. We support one another. That's what we are to be doing. That's what we're called to do as the body of believers. And the early church and even Jesus Christ exemplified this. Jesus Christ was not too proud to admit his human weaknesses and ask for prayer. Do you realize that? And look how he did it. It was in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was crucified. He said to his disciples, sit here while I go over and pray. Then he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he, and he brought him a little closer and he said, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and watch with me. Jesus didn't talk to the crowds about his weaknesses. He didn't even talk to all the disciples. He called those three trusted friends and says, guys, I'm really struggling here. Yes, I'm the son of God. Yes, you know, I'm going to accomplish the Father's mission, but man, it is really hard. And in this mortal flesh, I don't know how easy this is going to be. He cried out for his friends to support him. He admitted his weakness. Are we better than Jesus Christ? We don't think we can admit our weaknesses to one another? Small groups are the right place to do this. And you look at the activities of the early church, Acts 2, 42 through 47. It says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. Day by day, continuing in one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They took their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. The same activities we're doing in MOVE right now, they were doing in the early church. And guess how God responded? And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Do we want to see God add to our number day by day and more people come to salvation? I think we do. Are we willing to do the things that the early church did? Are we willing to continue doing the things that we've started to do in MOVE? Move us, call us together to practice these same actions. God did phenomenal works in the midst of the believers who persevered by faith, doing what God commanded them to do. Move concludes at the end of this week with the all-out serve, which will be a great event. But when it's over, folks, keep meeting in group. Keep your group going. Find another group to get into. Start a group, okay? Just find one or two people. Get together. It doesn't have to be elaborate. Grab a book and say, hey, I'm going through this book. Come together. Pray with me. Encourage one another. What will God do in our midst if we persevere with the same actions of faith that the early church did? Look what God's able to do. Paul said in Psalm, I'm sorry, I'm stuck on Psalms. Ephesians 3. Look at this praise of Paul's. He says, now to him who's able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in church in Christ Jesus to all generations. Did you hear that? Do, you, do we slow down long enough to consider who God is? Able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we think or imagine. Our wildest ideas, God just blows them away. We got reason Reason to seek him, to do the things that he was started to do, and I hope you will. Move has not just been an event, it's a change of lifestyle. 
for us. And we want to keep doing things. Remember, don't just be hearers of the word. Do them, right? We want to do them. We're going to uh, finish the move series with our week six memory verse. I think it's up on the screen. It's up on the screen. It's going to be on the screen real soon. And as you know, each week, Pastor Randy has been leading us in this verse. And as we say it, I'm going to, we're going to say the address first, John 5, 16. We're going to quote the verse together, and then we're going to say the address again. It's a great way to memorize verses. So when you come to mind, if you want to share them with somebody, you remember where it is in the Bible. And it's very helpful, and you kind of see how the Bible connects. So join with me, James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James 5, 16. Thank you very much. What a great, great verse of scripture. Sunday, the first day, or the first Sunday of the month, as you know, most of you probably know, we have communion here at Gateway Church. And today we're going to be doing it in the service. We're going to stay here and have it as part of our message and uh, conclude the move series with communion. Uh, when, the, when you're done uh, receiving communion, you can, you can exit quietly. You can stay down front and pray. I believe Pastor Randy will be out here at the uh, next uh, steps or the first steps area. If you're uh, involved in small groups or taking care of things regard to the golf tournament and eight days of hope, that will be out here at the next steps area. The Lord's Supper is an opportunity for us to be still to contemplate our relationship based on what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. You'll see scripture up there on the, on the screen that we're going to use for our meditation. But before we, we get to that, just a reminder, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 said, we, we come to the Lord's table to contemplate the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. This is a solemn moment. Paul said it's the time we are to slow down and examine ourselves. Be still before God. Can contemplate God's love for you. Contemplate your love for God and our obedience to him in light of it. If you want to repeat, go ahead have that verse back up there, Psalm 139. Okay. If you want to, don't mind just repeating this word, verse with me also as, as a prayer to God. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead me the way everlasting. I'd ask you now, just maybe, would you be comfortable, just close your eyes right where you're at. We're going to have a time of, of meditation just to be still before God. For us to pray individually just between you and God. No, nobody else. Just take some time right now. Be still before your God. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.